The four cartels are the Presidential Cartel, the Mesh Kings Cartel, the Legendaries Cartel, and the Chief Cartel. Daily Maverick investigative journalist Kevin Bloom joins us now. Morning, Kevin. Good morning, John. What what you are starting to tell us is essentially a great more detail, it seems to me, on at least part of what Andre de Reuter said to Annika Larson in that now notorious ENCA interview. He has had access to at least some of the information that you have access to. Uh, my understanding, John, is that he has access to all of it. Okay. And not just, and not just him. Uh, you know, just the, the story is, it's, um, it's kind of spy fiction story. It's John le Carre stuff. You were approached and, uh, this goes back some time, pre-electoral conference, ANC electoral conference, mid-December with this information. We, uh, we, we were pulling on some strings. We had, uh, reason to suspect, um, one of the names. And uh, that's that's how we got to it in uh, in early December. Okay, and the fact that you published yesterday was at least in part a response to the the Andre Dereta and the response to Andre Dereta. You would would you perhaps have preferred to wait a little longer to establish more as evidence rather than intelligence, which is an important distinction you make in the story. Absolutely. We uh, we would have preferred to wait, I'd say, another two weeks to a month. We were uh, getting close on uh, on a range of angles. But uh, Andre's interview on uh, ENCA with uh, Annika Larson and the fact that uh, we then subsequently found out that we weren't the only media organization with these reports um, forced our hand. Yeah, Business Day on its front page today has something not quite as, as detailed as what you wrote yesterday, but it's clear that they have access to at least some of the information that you have um, been given access to. Subsequent to that, I mean, obviously this is going to come out in subsequent editions, if you like, of so in um, in ESCOM Intelligence Files Part 2, 3, 4, and yeah. so on. But without giving me detail, perhaps you can tell me in broad terms what you have been able to establish subsequent to getting hold of the files and what you're still working on. So, you know, it was made very clear that, uh, and again, to reiterate, it's a very important distinction between intelligence and evidence. In order to get something close to, you know, a charge sheet that uh, the NPA or the SIU can work on, you need prima facie and substantive evidence. And uh, the way the cartels work is um, everything is hidden. So, you know, the, uh, requests for quotations, purchase orders, everybody up and down the line um, at, a, at a specific power station will be controlled by this cartel and will be bribed in cash. So you'll have people who are supposed to sign off on three quotations who the security guards are supposed to take delivery of maintenance equipment. They're all in the grips of these cartels, and uh, they all sign off from within the system. So it's incredibly difficult to track, and even the forensic auditors uh, within ESCOM uh, can't track that, which is the reason we were sitting it on two and a half months. What we've been doing for the last two and a half months, and, and there are a team of nine of us on this, three editors and six journalists, have been uh, uh, traveling the country and 
uh, talking to various sources in various places with access to deep information on, on the corruption that goes back to 2005. I mean, it's not just about the cartels. It's about corrupt contracts. It's about the multinationals. It does start with uh, Hitachi, but from there, how it snowballs into uh, an astronomical figure that uh, we intend to publish uh, shortly is one of the pieces we're working on. So, you know, the, the criminal syndicates are, I would say, an effect of uh, corruption that started almost 20 years ago. They're, they're the final effect. And obviously state capture and uh, the Guptas just um, turbocharged all of that. And the the two cabinet ministers that you believe are are part of this, I, I mean, it, it seems to me obvious that the systemic nature of this, the deep-rooted nature of this, is significantly more important in a way than the fact that there are two cabinet ministers who might be associated with. But there's an enormous amount of curiosity and speculation about who those two cabinet ministers might be. You say, Business Day says today, that they're not able to name those two people because of, of legal reasons. Do you anticipate a time in the not-too-distant future when you might name names, not just those two names, so not just the name of the territorial ruler, but the names of senior people within the four cartels? Um, yeah, of course, John. I mean, that's, that's our objective, and we're working all out on that. Um, after the story yesterday, uh, a, a raft of uh, new information is, is, is dropping into our inboxes, and uh, we're going hell for leather on pulling it all together. Um, you know, we, we've also heard that um, the gloves are off at the top level of uh, the ANC, and they're waiting for one mistake from any of the media houses so that they can sue. Um, so we have to be very careful, and, and we need that evidence. We really, really do. But we believe we will get it. Yeah. One of the things that you revealed to us yesterday is that there is this thing called Team Shikisa, which is a feared murder squad, to use the phrase that you use in your story, comprising roughly 60 to 70 members. So there's a hit squad of that size that is not is not scared to kill to put it bluntly yeah i mean this is this is known uh, to almost all of the residents of uh, um these guys are not uh, subtle and uh, together with team shakisha and the four cartels uh, they seem to have uh, their own t-shirts uh, they seem to flaunt it around uh, the pumalanga high felt towns in uh, 2021, Vusi Shongwe, who is uh, the Mpumalanga MEC for community uh, safety um, and uh, something else, liaison, the name, the name escapes me. Um, but he held a crime in Bizo, in Malish uh, Leni, where he encouraged uh, the locals, the community, to talk about um, how they are living in absolute fear. Be because of this uh, hit squad and um, you know that that was covered in the local news there have been uh, other great journalists uh, 013 uh, which is an independent organization uh, news organization in uh, in Mpumalanga who have been covering this so it, it confirms what's uh, already in the public domain um, and it's known it's also known in this community who, who the territorial ruler is 
Andre de Reiter appears to have been uh, the victim of a poisoning attempt. Um, you know, doesn't go to the bathroom without bodyguards, and that is true of other senior members of the ESCOM executive. So uh, what about your safety and the safety of the editors and journalists that are working with you on this? Yeah, John, I mean, of course, that's a tough question. Um, we, we're not reckless. We take uh, the precautions we need to, but uh, what keeps us um, secure, we believe, um, and, and perhaps more secure than than others who are on the front line, is, is the fact that um, it's not just one of us with this information. So we're, we're not unhappy about the fact that um, other media organizations seem to have parts of it too. It's going to come out. And uh, it's we haven't gotten to the point in this country where journalists on on the national stage have been um, harmed. It certainly happened in in the community levels. The, the, the journalists who who are working within the communities are are at the most danger, and uh, there have been assassinations of those journalists from from within the ecosystem we're talking about. Um, another thing uh, we we know from the intel, our sources, uh, there was a piece in uh, Sunday Times in, I think, September last year. And uh, there were three assassinations ordered, four assassinations ordered. There were three murders, and one was in critical condition based on who the cartel suspected that uh, the source of the leak was. So the journalist was okay. There were a few death threats we're led to believe, but there were murders inside of the cartels. So the whistleblowers, as always in this country, are, are, are the real ones in the front line. Part two, do you have a publication date set for that? I think you can expect uh, more from Daily Maverick in the next month. In the next month. Kevin, thank you. And I'm, I mean that. I mean, thank you and um, thank you and the team working with you and thank the sources who've brought this stuff to you and the people who do not want this to stay in the dark. Kevin Bloom, Daily Maverick, investigative journalist, listening and joining us now, Professor Mark Swilling, Academic Director of the Sustainability Institute, Stellenbosch University. Mark, good morning. Good morning. Kevin's saying this information will come out. What level of confidence do you have that this information will be acted on in a way that starts to dismantle the hold that these cartels have over that province and this industry? Well, I mean, the, this, I have a deep sense of deja vu. Uh, this feels like the days of the Gupta leaks and the the break the breaks that uh, resulted in the revelations about state capture, which were initially met with uh, vigorous um, denials, uh, and a few years later, you see the state, the, the the president of the ANC saying to the Zondo Commission, "It happened on our watch." So it takes a while uh, for the wheel to turn, um, and eventually, yes, I think. Action will be taken, but whether it's quick enough to result in solutions to our current energy crisis, that I'm more doubtful about. 
So I mean, that is absolutely, of course, we want those people who have been indulged in the levels of criminality that have brought the ESCOM system to its knees, perhaps to its ankles even. We, we want that to happen. We want there to be accountability. But we also want electricity. We want to be able to, you know, get up in the middle of the night and have the confidence that the light's going to go on. We want to get up in the morning with the confidence that we can boil an egg on our electric stove and, I mean, I don't know whether the the discussions at the moment, the, the revelations at the moment, what kind of impact they might have on the restoration of more reliable power. The, you know, this sort of grand question is Quo Vadis Escom. What happens with Escom in the next months? Well, uh, not much is going to happen in the next month. Uh, what what really months. matters is what what happens over the next uh, twelve months. Yeah. Uh, is 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 going to be crucial because what we what we see in these revelations uh, is actually nothing new. Uh, the documentation of the hollowing out and looting of ESCOM uh, during state capture, and as Kevin said, even before, uh, is is well known. What's emerging now is the, are the gory details, mm. and um, and hopefully that does result in the kind of action that. Uh, we would like to see from the board itself, um, as well as uh, as well as government and the, and the law enforcement agencies, so that we can actually uh, start to salvage ESCOM that we are all dependent on. But in the meantime, uh, we have the budget speech, which has basically declared that uh, National Treasury is going to play a much more hands-on role and. ESCOM has to choose. It has to sell what it can, shut down what it can, and fix what it can. But there's not a lot of money for the fixing. And so I think what you're seeing is, uh, in the budget speech, a change in strategy for the ESCOM business model. No longer the company of energy generation that we are used to, but a new company focusing on transmission and the grid. And the corruption lies in generation, not in the transmission. But a new strategy which, uh, at a new strategy about which there will inevitably be contestation within the ANC, and no guarantee that the supporters of the new strategy will win that battle. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, the, what what we are seeing uh, emerging in the public domain is is evidence of much deeper and pretty deadly power battles that that go from top uh, to bottom. And it's really the outcome of those power battles that uh, is going to determine the, the country we're going to we're going to live in. So, you know, everybody needs to do their bit and and participate in in revealing the rot. Uh, more and more whistleblowers need to come to the surface. We need more and more courageous journalists. But above all, we need courageous politicians who are going to make, have to make the very difficult decisions. Only then will we be able to you know, come up with the kinds of technical solutions and financial solutions that will ensure that we have energy security going forward. Uh, we can't expect... Uh, 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 you know, good things to come out of a, a rotten system which nobody is doing anything about.
And yet, you know, where's the confidence that these courageous political leaders are going to come forward? We still don't know who the Minister of Electricity is going to be, so we can't assess whether that person has the political clout to take on, uh, you know, any disagreements that that person might have with uh, Guedimantashe and or Pravin Gordon. Um, you know, Guedimantashe has made his point of view clear that this person is a glorified project manager. I think we are entitled to have skepticism about the independence of the board. We don't know who is going to be the CEO. Andre Dureta has left early, but he only left a month and four days early. So it's it's not as if that is going to have that much of an impact. So we can't begin to assess the the level of independence and courage that the new CEO is going to have. We know that the COO who kind of has ESCOM power running through his veins instead of blood, is leaving and is not being replaced. So on, on what do we stake that tiny little bit of optimism that we don't want to allow to die in our thinking about the future? So, I mean, I mean part, part of what we can stake our hope on is the fact that we have the journalists that we have that are doing the exposés. That's number one. Uh, number two, there there are um, political players who do want the right thing, but they might not be strong enough. Uh, and so the question is, how is that strengthened? And that is dependent on the 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 NPA and the police um, and the security forces coming coming to the party. But as we know from these reports, the, 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 there's, there's powerful people who are colluding uh, with, with, with the cartels. So I really do think um, that the, the, the big shift is going to start coming as businesses and households start to take responsibility for their own energy security, which is what the, the, the budget speech has enabled. Yeah. And the old system is going to start crumbling. Uh, and it, but that it, old it, system, nice, yeah. yeah, the old system is needed by the people, and there are many millions of them who can't afford to look after their own power sourcing, and and so again we we widen that divide of inequity that has that exists in South Africa. The middle class kind of go, okay, we've got power because we've been able to to take advantage in our businesses and in our homes of the tax allowances. And, yeah, we've had to borrow some money from the bank, but it doesn't matter. We've got the inverter. We've got the solar panels. We're fine. And the poor have to rely on an increasingly poorly resourced ESCOM and an increasingly crumbling infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, that's the, the, the politically mismanaging ESCOM and the um, – the, the tolerance of, of the looting of ESCOM by, by the cartels, um, by a range of different players, has resulted in the continued breakup of the national energy system that has been a unifier of, uh, or potentially the, a unifier of the nation. So now, just like we've got privatized health, uh, for, the, for, for the rich, privatized security, for the rich, privatized education, for the rich, we're going to have privatized uh, energy uh, for the rich as the as the national energy system breaks up and crumbles. Uh, it didn't have to be this way. We could have protected that system, uh, but if urgent action is not taken within the next three months uh, to deal with 
the right to deal with the corruption, to deal with the political mismanagement, and to put in place uh, a CEO who's going to be allowed to do his or her job. Unless we make these big decisions now, we face a very, very bleak future, and which will definitely reinforce the inequalities. Uh, not pleasant to hear, but important to hear. Professor Mark Swilling, Academic Director of the Sustainability Institute at Stellenbosch University.